0: Hi, it's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. Tonight is episode 81, Elon, 40 Shades of Battery Grade. A couple of days ago, I was on TC's ChartCasts podcast, episode 46. The audience of that podcast is much more focused on electric vehicles So we really only scratched the surface in an hour discussion of the lithium market. I uh, offered to answer questions that were sent in on a subsequent follow-up podcast and this would be that podcast. So unfortunately, I got way too many questions to answer each one of them. So what I'm going to do is pick five or six out that probably have the broadest general appeal. And then after that, I am going to append my episode 80, which did not appear on the Apple and Spotify channels, but only on my website, just so that in the library of the podcast, uh, that Tesla Battery Day commentary is out there for people to reference in the future. I just want to thank a buddy of mine who I had coffee with this morning. He's the one that gave me the idea for the title of 40 Shades of Battery Grade. This gentleman, who I won't name, uh, is a former uh, co-worker who now is one of the largest buyers of industrial-grade lithium chemicals on the planet. He actually gave me a title for a second podcast, but uh, I will reveal that later. And with that, let's get started. The first question is from Gustavo, who asks, how much of the lithium market is for consumer electronics Versus EV batteries. Haven't found a good source. Okay, Gustavo, let's look at 2019. I have overall lithium demand at about 306,000 uh, metric tons of LCE. So let's just call it 300,000. About 60% of that is battery. Within that battery component, about 25% is consumer electronics, and about 70% is electric mobility, and the rest would be uh, energy storage systems, which is a small number now. But if we go out into the future, electric mobility and ESS are going to grow much, much faster than consumer electronics, so I wouldn't get too hung up on this mix. When we look at the future, e-mobility leads the growth in the next five years, but ESS is going to grow quickly too, and I believe there will come a day when they are close to parity. Tesla Poles asks, I'd like to know specifically how the process of what Elon's is proposing, table salt and sedimentary, works, why it's more expensive, and why others haven't tried it, but in a non-technical way. Okay, Tesla polls. I really would like to answer your question, but I think we wouldn't be going down a rabbit hole. Suffice it to say that, as I said on my prior... Tesla Battery Day commentary, I'm not saying that you can't produce a lithium product that way. What I'm saying is it will cost more because the original output, the the product that will come from that first step isn't going to be battery quality. It's going to require further processing and let's just kind of leave it there. I could have a separate podcast on the details of processing. It has been tried before, as I also mentioned on that uh, Battery Day uh, podcast I did. It's been tried in China, and there, there are a couple of different routes to do it. But if it had been very successful, the Chinese would be using it now, and they're not. So when Elon said it, to his knowledge, it had never been done, he was just simply wrong. It has been done. It hasn't been done with clay as as far as I know, but it has been done in China with lipidolite and not terribly successfully, or we would have it in the market today, which we do not. Uh, I'm going to leave that there. It just simply would be substantially more expensive, and the whole idea that you just pick up the clay and mix it and the lithium pops out it was just a fatuous uh, idea and you know I've gotten a lot of hate in the last several days from people saying oh you're just are mired in the old ways and Elon's got the smartest engineers and they wouldn't have said it if it couldn't be done well I'm willing to take bets that Tesla doesn't even try to move forward with that it was kind of a publicity stunt in a message to the lithium industry that backfired so with that I'm just gonna leave it. If the person who asked Tesla polls is unsatisfied with this answer, then you can contact me. And, you, you know, if you want to have a more in-depth discussion about it, uh, we can, we can go direct instead of, uh, through the podcast. Next question. Joe, do you think LAX price is due to the Tesla bubble? And that's from A, and I'm not sure, uh, that's a, that's a pretty general name, eh? But uh, that's what it says. As I have said many times, nothing I say on this podcast should be construed as investing advice. I think Lithium Americas was undervalued for so long that now that people are beginning to realize that the value of Lithium Americas is much more than just Kachari and that Thacker Pass may even be a, a bigger deal— than the asset that they have in argentina and the combination of that fact gradually being understood and elon the speculation that elon musk was going to announce that he was buying into Lac, which you know never made sense to me Uh, i think we've gotten to a point now where because elon said that tesla was going to do clay then a lot of certainly retail investors just jumped on. Well, if Elon thought Clay was good, it must be good, and I think I think LAC has benefited from that in the short term. And you know, today, in the last couple of days, we've seen it uh, rise up to almost 17, and then fall back into the 13 and change range. Uh, personally, I'm a long-term holder of LAC. I don't care uh, if there is a short-term uh, pop just because of battery day. I'm in it for the long haul, and I think when both of the assets they have are online, it's a much more valuable stock than it is today. I also just want to add here that there is a lithium commentator that that I don't follow, and the only reason I ever see anything he does is because people screenshot him and send him to me. But this gentleman disingenuously claimed to be a long-term lack supporter and he's been all over the block with respect to lack over the past few years and you know just because lack is seeing a day in the sun in the stock market he decided to try to make himself look good by talking about it and if uh, you did any investigation you'd know that if this guy was such a believer you'd have to ask him the question if you were such a supporter and such a believer then why did you sell it less than five? It's a fair question. And, and the other fair question is this guy was uh, pumping Namaska almost to the bitter end. Uh, he, he would urge you to take a look at Bacanora. He was touting ioneer We live in a free country. You can say whatever you want to. But... The question you have to ask yourself is, why does this guy change the company's supports uh, like he would change his underwear? And that is a very fair question. I've been criticized by this individual multiple times, but the fact of the matter is I've been very clear about the companies that I support. I've made no secret of my relationship with Lithium Americas or Gangfen or any of the other companies. I have either purchased shares in or have done long or short-term consulting work for. The fact of the matter is that this person is in a much different position than I am. He has no experience in the lithium industry and you know he has to try to sell himself based on his ability to try to move a company's stock. More often than not, when I am asked to support A buyer of lithium, a producer of lithium, or somebody looking at the industry, they are hiring me because I have spent 30 years in the industry, directly involved in the details of the industry. So that's all I'm ever going to say about this guy. I will never mention him again on this podcast, but I am really tired of pretenders trying to act like they know much more than they do. The next question was asked in various forms by a number of people. And the question is really around, do I believe that Elon did what he did on Battery Day purposefully to you know, try to bring the lithium industry to its knees or to get an advantage uh, over smaller companies that he could drive the stock price down and then acquire. And honestly, you know, I think this was more Elon's not understanding how this part of the world works, the uh, lithium extraction and production business, as I've mentioned many times on my podcast, I was actually involved when Elon tried to get into a lithium acquisition over five years ago that didn't work out. Uh, so I, I really just think that he continues to try to diminish the difficulty of producing lithium and act like it's not a problem for him. Unfortunately, he actually needs to be uh, supporting all the players who are trying to bring lithium to market. Otherwise, he's going to be short, just like the rest of the industry is. And I say this uh, later on in in the other part of the podcast I'll put up, but I certainly do believe he's done both Tesla and the lithium industry a disservice by playing this game he's playing. I don't believe he will produce anytime soon any level of lithium from clay And I believe that they, if they do go forward with a converter in Austin from hard rock in WA, because Piedmont won't be producing uh, hard rock that Tesla can use in the time frame required by the contract, in my opinion. So it's not a real uh, winning strategy, in my opinion, what he's trying to do. Uh, But, uh, you know, Elon's Elon. He's going to do what he's going to do. A little bit Trumpian there. But uh, it is what it is, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Next question. Joe, what do you think the next few years hold for both lithium supply and demand and lithium price? I think the preamble to those comments are that this is a very interesting time in the lithium industry because now we see that uh, the battery makers in China... Are securing uh, lithium that they can use at very low prices uh, by recent year standards, you know, certainly in kind of the mid single figures, whereas the tier one players that are primarily in Korea and Japan are still paying around ten thousand and slightly more in some cases for the top battery quality material. So there clearly is a quality differential. And we've never seen the price disparity from the low end, particularly if you compare the low end of industrial grade, which in some cases now is still selling for under 4000 a ton. And uh, I got the uh, August statistics from Japan last night, and their prices in the mid 11s, 11,500, a little more than that uh, per metric ton uh, for battery quality material going into Japan and that's lithium carbonate. Ironically, the hydroxide price in Japan last month was almost exactly the same, but it's always dangerous to generalize about the exact pricing on just a month. You really need to look at at least a quarter and ideally a half a year because you do get a lot of mix issues depending on how shipments go out and who's buying in specific contracts. So one month is not a great uh, way to assess the market. I prefer to uh, assess it in terms of at least a rolling uh, three-month average. But the fact of the matter is that uh, supply and demand right now, there is, and I'm saying this to you, my good purchasing friend in Belgium, yes, there is a slight oversupply of lithium chemicals and a larger oversupply of the precursor spodumene concentrate. But if we're going to have the kind of demand change from 2019 to 2025, where the market goes from 300,000 tons to close to a million tons, we are going to get a hockey stick, a very steep curve in demand growth probably starting in the second half of 2021 or or early 2022. And when this happens, the overhang of, you know, if there's six months of lithium chemicals inventory in China, that will get drawn down. The other interesting thing is that right now, the cathode makers have very low inventories of lithium chemicals. The suppliers have higher inventories. But once the, the Chinese market sees the price turn Everybody's gonna try to build their inventory. There will be a panic just like there was in late 2015, early 2016. So you're gonna see the spot market flip flop and be the highest price and probably go higher than it went in 2016 and 2017. Uh, I just put out a a new price curve today, and and that's what I am indicating. And I think if uh, you're a benchmark subscriber, you will see that uh, Benchmark uh, believes in a similar scenario. So I see a lithium shortage by 2022 and because of lack of investment, once that shortage rears its ugly head, it will last for four or five years or even longer. It's just depending on what the EV penetration is because as EV penetration grows, you are gonna see that it's very, very hard for the lithium industry to catch up. Joe, do you believe, as some have said on social media, that the larger battery cells and some of the improvements that Elon are talking about and the development of solid state batteries are actually negative for the lithium industry? I really don't know where that question comes from because there's, you know, a certain science to this. And bigger cells may bring efficiencies in manufacturing, which may lower some of the waste of uh, how lithium is used. But bigger cells do not mean less lithium is going to be used. Solid state batteries do not mean less lithium is going to be used. I don't know where that is coming from. I think it's a, a pretty, I mean, you can, you can go do some research on Google about this. I'm not going to try to have a primer on uh, lithium intensity, or you can listen to the podcast with Yuan Gao where he explains it very well. I don't remember what episode that is off the top of my head, but you can certainly find it uh, on uh, the Anchor website where, you know, Dr. Gao does an excellent job of explaining lithium intensity and so i'm going to end the questions here Uh, we can do another one of these sessions if there is any interest i don't know how useful this is to my normal audience but i do know that uh, the new listeners i got based on my appearance on tc's chartcast uh, did have these kind of basic uh, questions and i was happy to answer them so when i'm done here i am going to just transition over to episode 80. If you haven't listened to that, that is my commentary on Battery Day. And with that, I will leave you with the thought. About six months ago when COVID started, I made a video and announced that I would be giving away $10,000 to food banks and uh, people in, in local need, whether it be a woman's shelter or homeless or just food banks. That was a very small number. Uh, since that time, I've given about uh, $35,000 uh, to various causes in Charlotte, in New York, and L.A., and New York and L.A. because that's where my daughters live, and uh, they had a say in where the money goes. Global Lithium's a, a one-person-and-one-dog entity. Uh, obviously, What I've done is a very minor thing. My point to you is not to tell you I'm a great guy and I'm giving money away. It's to tell you that the need is still out there. And if you have the wherewithal to give to charities that you research and know the money's used in an efficient way, uh, please consider doing that. Uh, I will continue to give at least a few thousand a month as long as – COVID lasts. And, uh, you know, I just feel if I'm able to encourage just a few people to do that by my words, then it's time well spent. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. Today's episode will focus on Tesla Battery Day. Before I get into my thoughts on Tesla's lithium plans, I want to just first say that I am certainly an admirer of what Tesla and Elon Musk have accomplished over the last many years. Yet, I think even a genius can get out of its depth And uh, like Thomas Edison's uh, forays into mining-related businesses, they didn't turn out too well. You can Google that and see what I'm talking about. And I don't think Elon's will either. By way of background, I was the original supplier of lithium hydroxide to Tesla's supply chain, which really meant selling to Sumitomo Metal Mining well over a decade ago. I was working for FMC Lithium at the time, was living in Asia and was in charge of all their commercial business in Asia. From the beginning, demand forecasts were always overly optimistic. Uh, there was growth, certainly, but uh, at that time, I always told Sumitomo Metal Mining I developed a highly effective algorithm for forecasting their demand. I just took whatever they said for the coming year and cut it in half. As time went on, Sumitomo developed a uh, what I would refer to as a uh, certain skepticism on the numbers that Panasonic would give them uh, for the demand for the Tesla product. I left FMC at the end of September 2012 and formed Global Lithium. One of my early clients was a company called Symbol Materials and it was uh, an attempt of Elon and Tesla to acquire Symbol that drew a lot of publicity uh, shortly after the Gigafactory was announced. But prior to me meeting with the Tesla team face to face, I had a phone call with the newly minted Gigafactory team and presented kind of the state of the lithium industry and was abjectly shocked that these guys didn't know that the big three lithium companies at the time only had 18,000 metric tons of lithium hydroxide capacity and only about 8,500 tons of that, that being uh, FMC lithium now Livent's capacity, was qualified by Sumitomo Metal Mining. The Gigafactory was stated from the beginning to uh, be targeted for 35 gigawatt hours, as I recall. And I told uh, the team that, uh, gee, guys, you're going to need 28,000 tons of lithium hydroxide. But the big three lithium companies only have 18,000. And, oh, by the way, only 8,500 tons of that's qualified. Plus, you're competing with big oil who bought the product to make lithium-based greases. This all seemed like news to the Tesla team, who, in fairness, was relying on Panasonic for their cells. And Panasonic was, at the time, trusting Sumitomo Metal Mining to uh, secure adequate supplies of lithium, which they had from FMC for several years. It's just a little bit of background into the fact that Tesla's always had kind of a casual uh, relationship. And as they learned that the Gigafactory was going to require massive amounts of lithium that weren't currently available by Western suppliers, they asked me, well, what's the solution to the problem? And I said, well, you ought to get your hineys over to China because the Chinese need to be brought up the quality curve in order to become qualified suppliers to you. But they will be able to respond much faster because the big three lithium players are very cynical about the whole EV market and certainly aren't going to invest in massive capacity increases on the say-so of Tesla or Elon Musk. I don't want to make this episode a history lesson, but I think it's instructive that the symbol deal in the end uh, fell through because the two parties couldn't agree on a fair value And actually, I think Tesla's offer was quite fair and reasonable. And it was the VCs on Sand Hill Road who were uh, kind of out of uh, the bounds of reality at the time. After that failure, though, Tesla started to do some really aberrant things. They started signing supply agreements with juniors that still aren't producing. And this was over five years ago. Clearly, now Tesla's in a much different situation. They have uh, established themselves as the leader, clear leader in EVs. Uh, they have had profitable quarters. Uh, you know, you can question the quality of the earnings, but they have had profitable quarters. They've started to hit the numbers in their projections, and they're taken a lot more seriously, I believe, around the world than they were back in the early days when the Gigafactory was announced. So let's kind of fast forward to the uh, current state of affairs. There were some significant announcements on cell technology, on the Maxell technology implementation. I don't want to focus on those things. A lot of people that are closer to those particular aspects are probably... Uh, putting out YouTube videos as we speak. So what I want to talk about is the fact that if you take at face value what Tesla says their um, anticipated or aspirational demand is in 2030, just for Tesla, it would require the lithium industry to grow eightfold. Even with 10 years to accomplish their goal, I think it's aspirational. I don't think Tesla will be that big, but I think they'll be significantly larger than they are today. But we also have a whole other world of car companies that are out there trying to enter the EV market. And I believe some of them will be successful. So by any reasonable measure, let's just say that uh, by 2025, the demand could be up to 900,000 to a million tons globally. And by 2030, yeah, maybe it is two and a half or or three million tons. But where's that lithium going to come from? And this is where I found Tesla's commentary childish. And just as a reference point, when Drew referred to dry coating as being simple and easy, Elon kind of corrected him and said, it's actually very hard to do what appears to be a simple thing. And that's something that they've spent a lot of time on. And that's the conclusion that a simple thing is really actually much harder to do than you would think at first blush. So why isn't that true for lithium? It was really interesting that when they began to talk about lithium and you know, just had this whole lithium's everywhere, it's no problem. There were no details on the quote-unquote new process. But hey, news flash to Tesla, and if, if they need to contact me for references, that process they're talking about has been done in China. And it hasn't been done very successfully in China. So, I'm, you know, they to, to their knowledge, nobody had done it. Well, you know, maybe they ought to do a little more research on that point. And it was also interesting to me that lithium is pretty much everywhere, but people just haven't been looking, was what, you know, I kind of call Drew Elon straight man in this section. And then they talk about their rights to a clay deposit. Well, how long do they think it's gonna take them to develop a clay deposit? And if we talk about the technology involved, and I talked to some technical people I trust today. And they talked about that process and said, you know, that process, you know, you can do that. But most of the cations are going to come through that first process that we're, we're talked about in very high-level terms. And the further removal of the impurities is going to be expensive. You can go back and listen to this section on YouTube. but What was actually said was... That you take a chunk of dirt out of the earth, take the lithium out, and put the dirt back. I don't really see that as a viable flow chart that uh, you're going to want to uh, put capital in. I think there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Obviously, everybody knows that. But I don't think Tesla really has a plan to get uh, from the chunk of dirt to battery quality Lithium chemicals. And as for the scale of what they have in Nevada, there isn't any information on that. I'm not sure whether Elon was just again trying to send a message to the lithium guys to get your act together, but I thought it was almost comical at the end. You know, they talked about strategic vertical integration and they said, now that the miners know our plans they're motivated to go out and make the investments. Feel free to re-listen to the uh, video. I'm not making this stuff up. I was pretty shocked that Drew and Elon were so cavalier about this whole aspect of the business, given the fact that without lithium, you can't make a lithium battery and their business is going nowhere. So why did they do this? At least two senior executives at top lithium producers told me that they believed that this was just part of a game uh, Elon was playing and uh, they didn't take it seriously. And it goes back to the old rule of uh, negotiation that a tactic perceived is no tactic at all. I don't believe that Tesla will be producing battery quality lithium in any significant amount before 2025 and i don't believe they have the ability to move that project in nevada forward before 2026 or seven i think it would take that long for them to get their ducks in a row to complete it and make scale it up and make battery quality material If they want to build a converter near Austin and take hard rock from WA, you know, God love them. Uh, I also think that the Piedmont lithium contract is analogous to what they did with Pure Energy and Bacchanora and Kidman. And none of those agreements have resulted in Tesla getting a kilo of battery quality material into their supply chain from a commercial scale plant. And honestly, I don't think it's resulted in getting good samples uh, from a pilot plant either. So let's uh, move on to another aspect of this. Why did the stocks of the major lithium producers drop so precipitously after battery day? And I think it goes back to the average analyst not really understanding lithium. And Elon Star Power. I mean, it's it's it was amazing to me. I put a video up the other day, and I think it got eight thousand views in less than twenty four hours. And I got a lot of comments, and a lot of people were Elon haters. And I assume guy with that high a profile's got people that believe everything he says, and people that just call him liar, no matter how successful he is. And You know, I try to be in the middle of this and I try to be reasonable in my assessments, but I do believe that uh, Tesla is not going to be successful in supplying a high percentage of their own lithium requirements. I think they'll struggle like everybody else who enters this industry. It's not easy to make high-quality lithium chemicals. Elon knows that. So was it just a a ruse to... uh, bring the lithium companies to the table. If it was, it didn't work last time. It won't work this time. Tesla, in my opinion, just by making agreements with some of the higher profile juniors, and in that case, I'm talking about an asset like a Thacker Pass, where a small company has a great partner, has a great team and has a large asset in Nevada that they could move forward. But instead they play this game. In my opinion, you know, as much as I'd like to see Piedmont succeed because they're in my backyard, I see them as being much smaller uh, with not the same caliber of team. And I don't see that moving the needle for Tesla at all, whereas something like a Thacker Pass could. And there's other examples I could give. I've just chosen to give that one because it's in Nevada. And since Elon wanted to uh, talk about sedimentary, he calls it clay, I call it sedimentary, uh, that's the same kind of asset uh, that Lithium Americas has in Nevada. So where do we go from here? My candid opinion is that a year from now, we'll look back and... It'll kind of be swept under the rug. What uh, Elon and Drew said about lithium—that Tesla won't be very far down the curve. They may have started building a conversion plant in Austin, and you know, Godspeed to them if they try to do that. Uh, it's it's more logical than the whole uh, clay from. 10,000 acres they have rights to uh but uh, i think i'd like to see where their contracts are for spodumene supply because clearly piedmont's not in a position to supply them anytime soon on hard rock because they don't they haven't even started building out a mine yet i am going to leave it there for now i will be uh, talking to more people in the next few days and uh May do another podcast with some experts who give their opinions. And then I'd like to talk about some of the other aspects uh, that were discussed, the new cells and uh, why those are significant. But at the end of the day, Tesla has been a game changer for the lithium industry. And I believe we'll continue to be so. So I'm not not anti-Tesla by any means. But I am anti-bullshit. Let me leave you with this thought. Wisdom requires a flexible mind. I am happy to be wrong about Tesla's lithium plans, but even if they're successful, the lithium industry isn't growing at anywhere near the speed it needs to grow. Tesla's battery day presentation did nothing to support the lithium players who need investment. In fact, it's probably a negative that will have to be overcome based on the fact that it'll take a few months for people to see that what Elon was saying with respect to lithium was nonsensical. It might even take longer than that. So I think they shot themselves in the foot. And But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I will be happy to uh, take my proverbial lumps. Thanks for listening.